Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get ready to get blitzed on the Blitz Podcast at thehuddle.com with your host, Steve Gallo, and co-host Jake Richmond and Harley Schultz. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Blitz Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Steve Gallo, and I am joined by my trusty sidekick, even though he's nowhere near the side of me, Harley Schultz. Harley, how's it going, my man? Well, if I think we're, we're alongside each other, it might be a little tight in that room. So I'm kind of glad that I'm on this end of the microphone and you're on the other end of the microphone. Now, listen, I don't broadcast from a box. I've got a nice size room here that I'm in. Well, I suppose I do too, but... Uh... Uh, I, at least I'm a pretty big guy. If we if we were to try to squeeze anyone else in here, it might be a little tight. Gotcha. Okay. You and your cat does it. That's the trick, right? Well, the cat will actually come and climb on me while we're trying to broadcast. So, you know, uh, if you hear the occasional meow or purr in the background or growl, that that's actually my cat Logan. He's a uh, he's a bit of a ham when it comes to a microphone being pleasant, present. And if you hear the growl on my end, that's probably me growling at my mother-in-law who now lives with us. But that's another story for another day. All right, so talk about growling. Um, I'd say that there's some teams that were a little angry over some things that happened this weekend. I'm wondering if any of those made it into your um, Blitz podcast news. So you ready for me just to maybe throw that on over to you? Sounds good, Steve. Well, let's get right at it, folks. Let's go ahead and throw this on over to Harley for this week's Blitz podcast news. Thank you, Steve. Trevor Simeon sustained a shoulder injury during the Broncos matchup with the Buccaneers last week. Paxton Lynch entered the game and proceeded to drop a very reasonable 14 of 24 for 170-yard performance against them. Lynch found both Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas multiple times en route to this solid line. Of course, we do not need to slow our roll on Lynch's performance because Tampa's secondary is occupied by the cast of the Golden Girls. Cam Newton left his contest against Atlanta with a concussion. Ron Rivera admitted he had no idea if Newton would be available for next Monday's game against Tampa Bay. We were fortunate to find Newton stumbling around the locker room following the game and asked him how he felt following the concussion. His response... That Denver Bronco defense is really tough. I then proceeded to remind Cam that he had just faced the Falcons and not the Broncos. To which he replied, Who is this Cam guy you keep talking about? My name is Superman! (laughs) Carson Palmer also left his game due to concussion. This came in what could be best described as yet another mediocre performance by the aging veteran. 
In all likelihood, Carson will miss this Thursday's meeting with San Francisco. Drew Stanton looked miserable in his stead, something that shouldn't be unexpected considering his NFL career passer rating of 66.5. Stanton did fare better back in college at Michigan State, where he accounted for 57 touchdowns over four seasons. With that in mind, I am comfortable starting him this week, since most of the Niners' defense could not make a Big Ten starting lineup. <laughs> and finally, Week 5 marks the return of Tom Brady from suspension for his role in Deflategate. During his time off, Brady made the news for sunbathing naked in Italy with his model wife, Giselle Bunchen. The New York Post even went so far as to display photos of Brady's posterior. Much to the chagrin of many football fans, there were, however, no posted photos of Giselle. Our crack BPN staff tracked down the editor for the post and asked him why they published the photos of the clothesless Brady. His response was that he had to post it because it was the best butt fumble New York had seen since Mark Sanchez left town. This has been your BPN News Update. I hate to say you let the air out of the show already. Okay, that's it. No more about this deflate gate stuff. So, um, good job, good job. Thank you. Um, I don't want to ask what's on the cutting room floor this time. We've we've not went that route this year, so I guess we'll leave it there, right? Let's do things a little bit differently this week. Normally, we do some chatter and then we get into our DFS plays, but this week we're going to start off with our DFS pays, um, pay to plays, stay aways, and value plays. God, that's a tongue twister. Then what we'll move into after we run through these positions is something that we're going to call busts or buys and studs or sells with some hard questions about some players that I think might have people on the fence as to which side that person belongs on. Sound like a deal? Well, I'm glad I brought my thinking cap today then. Yeah, I brought my dartboard. With a lot of these players, a dartboard might be the easiest way to decide. I've been thinking about heading down to Louisiana and finding a witch doctor or something because my opponents, it's bad enough when, I'll talk about the Flex League real quick. I, I went the route of Le'Veon Bell, Adrian Peterson with my first two picks. Josh Gordon in the fifth. So, hey, yes, it's been a tough start to the year for me, right? But yes. to, to, to add salt to the wound, how does the lowest scoring team have the most points scored against it? Do you know what I mean? It's not like I'm the Cleveland Browns yep. here. It's your 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 offense and defense when you're facing another team has nothing to do with it unless you're in my full impact league. So, and if you go look at most leagues, it, it seems like it plays out that way. Why do the bad teams always seem to stumble into the buzzkill? You know, it's uh, it, it, it's a lot of uh, mental involved in that. No, where it's like you you've got to look at and think to yourself. If you're feeling negative about how your team is, it's going to perform negatively too. Wait, so you're saying that I can I can impact um, Adrian Peterson right now? I don't know. Come on, it's good just, vibes, man. Good vibes. Okay, okay. <laughs> if anyone can heal up and get back before the end of uh, like week eight, it would be Adrian Peterson. The guy's bionic. Yeah, but he's not coming back this year. Maybe, really maybe for a playoff run for you guys. All right, let's get into it. Let's start with my most. Um, despised position outside of kicker, the quarterback spot. Who are you paying up for this week? 
Well, my explanation for this player is going to be five words long. It's Brady. It's Cleveland. Next. Wow. I will tell you that that's not who I'm paying up for. I'm paying up for Andrew Luck. Interesting. Well, he's at home. Their defense outside of Ante Davis is not much to, to talk about. Um, and it's the shock Chicago Bears, and their back seven's troubled, to say the least. They didn't have that bad a game against the, Bear, against the Lions this past weekend, but I believe Luck still has to have a big game. So I'm paying up for Luck. I, I would agree with that decision. I, I'm just surprised at how well uh, they had the defense up to speed for that game for Chicago. I mean, Chicago is missing a lot of pieces on their defense. Yep. And they were able to contain Matthew Stafford. Now, you could argue that the Colts and the Lions are kind of set up the same way. They throw the ball way too much each team, mainly because both teams have trouble running the ball. And uh, there's line, offensive line questions on both those teams. So if the Chicago Bears plan defensively for a similar matchup like they did last week against the Lions, then he could struggle a little bit. But I agree. I think Luck performs better at home. So. That's, I, I don't mind that play. That's the kicker for me. So now, rather than throw it to you for your stay away, I'm going to give my stay away. Go for it. Tom Brady. Ooh, that's painful. Now, <laughs> now, hold on. There's two reasons for this. One, it is his return. So I don't know how much rust he's going to have, okay? But two, in DFS, everybody, including his own mother and his mother-in-law, are going to have him in their lineups this week. That is also true. So that's why I'm staying away from Tom Brady. Well, you know, you could say that Tom Brady is going to be a chalk play, but at the same time, his price tag is is not exactly saying chalk play. I mean, he's yeah. at one of the highest pays at uh, both DraftKings and FanDuel. So uh, a position where people tend to go with cheaper players on DFS, it, just because everyone thinks he's going to be a chalk play, could actually make Tom Brady a contrarian play. Still, I'm staying away. I don't know why Cleveland has played the Patriots in the past tough. They've beaten them when they shouldn't have, when they've had Tom Brady. So I think that Cleveland's being counted out a little bit too easily by everybody. I, I can't tell you if for sure I'm going to pick Cleveland to win this game and do a complete upset. It wouldn't shock me, though. So there, I'm, that's well, it. I'm sure there will be a few survivor pools ruined if Cleveland were to win this week. Quite a few. Okay, go ahead. Who are you staying away from? You know what? Uh, I always firmly believe in not chasing the stats, so I'm going to stay away from Matt Ryan. Obviously, he's going into Denver. Denver's oh. got two incredibly good uh, defensive backs in Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib. Uh, they very well might put both of those guys on Julio Jones to try to shut him down. Uh, typically, uh, Denver likes to scheme to take the opponent's best player out of the game. And that best player is Julio Jones. If any team can take him out of the game, I think it's them. And it's easier said than done, but I agree with you. Being in Denver, I definitely wouldn't want to be anywhere near Matt Ryan this week. Um, my value play, let's stay right in the Mile High City. How can you not like Paxton Lynch? Well, I liked everything I saw of Paxton Lynch last week. He really looked the part, uh, looked very confident. I uh, found both of his receivers uh, multiple times, and he actually made a, a believer out of Demarius Thomas again. Well, and he's playing at home, and he gets an Atlanta defense that beyond Desmond Trufant's pretty suspect. Well, again, they almost let Carolina back into that game last week. They did. 
exactly. I mean, they truly they did in a sense. So, yeah. I, and you know what? Cam hasn't been the sharpest this year. And one could argue that he wasn't that good even before he got hurt this past week. So, Well, I, that's, a, that's a great segue into the player that I'm going to take as my bargain play. Go ahead. And that's Derek Anderson. Derek Anderson looked very, very good in relief of Cam. I would argue he looked better than Cam. And realistically, I, throughout the game, I was hoping and praying that they would just get Cam out of there because he was not looking at all towards Greg Olson in what was a cake matchup for Olson against an awful secondary against tight ends. Uh, he was actually, he had one catch for four yards and four targets while Cam was in there. Once Cam was out of there, Olsen finished with 13 targets, eight catches, a touchdown, 70-plus yards, and a two-point conversion. So it's obvious that Derek Anderson brought a lot of value to Olsen. His price tag's 5500 I don't think there's any chance, even on Monday, that Cam plays next week with a 14-day, sorry, 11-day delay in between that and their next game. So they're going to let Newton rest. Anderson's going to play, and it's against the Bucks, who... Uh, just gave up 170 passing yards to Paxton Lynch in a little over a half a play. There you go. All right. I like it. Um, let's move on to running back. Who are you paying up for? And I have to well, say, you know I absolutely despise most, if not all, of the running back matchups this week. There's not a lot really good to choose from there. I'm going to pay up for Melvin Gordon. Uh, Oakland uh, has allowed opposing running backs 141 rushing yards uh, over the last three weeks per game. That's pretty... Uh, Pretty astounding. That's not even including yards catching balls out of the backfield, which uh, Gordon is the guy catching the balls. Uh, Dexter McCluster has really not done much to to earn much of a play there other than as a handcuff situation. So at uh, 7000 and 7700 his price tag doesn't seem that high considering he's coming off of a really good game. Yeah, you know, considering that Le'Veon Bell's the highest at 7500 and 8, the running backs really, the position's not that expensive this week. Um, but I could make arguments against pretty much almost everybody in the top 10. But then once you get outside of $7,000, it's not really, you're not paying up for somebody. Um, So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to pay up for a fringe guy. CJ Anderson, 6,908,000 on FanDuel. I think that the game plan will be to try and protect Paxton Lynch a little bit. Keep Julio on the sidelines. To do that, it's going to be controlled offense with those short passes to Sanders and Demarius Thomas, as well as a lot of CJ Anderson. So I think that there's a good return value on Anderson against that defense. What would you say is kind of a response to some of the terrorism with Devontae, Devontae Booker getting so many touches in the second half last week? Um, at some point, look, everybody's going to have to give up touches in, in a backfield nowadays. I mean, LaShawn McCoy gave away six to Gillis this weekend, and I'm not concerned about that. I'm not concerned. Anderson's still the horse. That's good to hear. Because uh, I've got a lot of shares of him. Uh, I'm going to stay away this week from uh, Lamar Miller. And it should be fairly easy to tell. He's going to be traveling to Minnesota. Uh, his price tag is, again, in that, that middle slot, that second, uh, lower first tier, uh, upper second tier of uh, prices. The Vikings' defense is intense. Uh, short of the Green Bay Packers, I really don't think there's a better rushing defense in the league. Uh, you can make an argument for the New York Jets. You can make an argument for Tampa Bay. But... Minnesota is right there in the top four. Yep, I like that call too. The fact that he's just so cheap makes him, that's why I kind of stayed away from him. Um, My value play at running back kind of sounds contrarian considering I said I'm staying away from Tom Brady, but I like James White. I think at 3,900 and at 5,500, I think he's an excellent play in PPR formats for DFS. 
I, I totally agree. I think that uh, a lot of people might actually put LeGarrette Blunt into their lineup because it's Cleveland and they're going to assume he's going to carry the ball a ton. And he probably will. But the fact of the matter is, this game is going to be a throwing game. I think that Cleveland's going to be forced to throw to stay in the game, and I think that Brady is going to throw because he's Brady and he wants to throw and he wants to show up Roger Goodell. So James White's the pass-catching option. LeGarrette Blunt has about 20 receptions for his career. So you're not going to see him in there on passing downs. And I believe that pretty much every down in this game is going to be a passing down, at least if uh, Belichick has his way. Now, the guy that... Uh, Especially since I'm, they're going to be playing from behind when Cleveland's out 10, 15, 10, 10 to 17 points in front of them. How's that? That, that's a bold prediction there. <laughs> uh, the guy that I'm going to uh, take as my value play this week uh, is Zach Zenner. Uh, he's going to face Philadelphia. And I know Philadelphia actually has a fairly good run defense too. But with both uh, with Dwayne Washington uh, dinged up and Theo Riddick was absolutely awful trying to run the ball between the tackles. I think he averaged 1.9 yards per carry over the last two weeks as the quote-unquote lead back for Detroit. So... If Washington can't go, and, and there's certainly some doubt about that right now, Zach Zenner makes a great play. At the very least, Zenner's going to be the guy at the goal line there. That's not a bad call. Not a bad call at all. You know, I give blue light specials for DFS on my Friday radio show with Steve Dumick down in Tampa. And I had two guys written for my running back spot. And I said, but I'm not going to give you the first one because he's chalk. Everybody's going to be on Mr. Howard. I said, so I'm going on the other side of the ball and let's go with Dwayne Washington. Of course, he goes and gets you know hurt and falls on his face, but Howard would have been the play. But I nailed it last week because I had Hoyer and Tyrod both as my blue light specials at quarterback. Those two running backs, I called Seth Roberts at wide receiver and Zach Miller at tight end. Absolutely love Seth Roberts this week too. So I, I think he's going to score for the fourth time this year. That's not a bad call. That's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, though. It is. So let's go ahead and roll it over to wide receiver. Who are you paying up for? You know, uh, haven't really seen much of him in this game yet, but I'm going to pay up for Odell Beckham. Uh, Green Bay uh, will still be without Sam Shields, and so far this year Green Bay has had no sort of success at all against number one wide receivers. They've absolutely been destroyed by number one receivers. They've actually done good against number two and number three receivers. So, uh, again, maybe that keeps you away from Sterling Shepard or uh, Victor Cruz, but definitely get Beckham in that lineup. He's going to score at least one long touchdown this week. Yeah, I you know, I look at these wide receivers, and Beckham, okay, I don't love that it's in Green Bay, quite honestly. And I can almost look at all of these guys and say, I'm going to stay away from them all. Julio, huge game at Denver. Antonio Brown, Big game all the time, right? Big big game, Antonio. But he's playing a Jets team that I really know. I know that Revis isn't Revis, but I just have a bad feeling. You have a bad juju feeling. <laughs> That's what I have. I have a bad juju feeling about Antonio Brown this week. All Sean Jeffrey, probably going to pull Vontae Davis. Um, Jordy Nelson, too inconsistent. A.J. Green, I do like him, but it's in Dallas. But the guy I'm going to pay up for is T.Y. Hilton. And he might be a little cheap at 7400 7700 but at home against that Chicago Bears secondary, I think he's good for at least two very long catches, um, one possibly two touchdowns. So I wouldn't be surprised to see something like a seven or eight for 140 with a touchdown or two. That would be a really nice line for him. Uh, you know, you mentioned one of the guys that I'm going to stay away from in your last answer there, and that's Jordy Nelson. So I'm paying up for the one guy going to Green Bay. 
I'm going to bench the guy from Green Bay because uh, he, his price tag is just too expensive compared to the other players of, of similar, caliber, similar caliber at that price range. Uh, plus, there's a very good likelihood that Janoris Jenkins will shadow him this entire game. So uh, combine those two things, along with the way that Rodgers has been kind of underperforming so far this year. I mean, he's coming off the bye, so he's had some time to maybe like work a little bit more with his receivers. But if that means he's worked a little more with his receivers, that may also mean that they incorporate more of uh, uh, Ty Montgomery or get Devontae Adams more involved in the passing game. And that can only take away from Jordy Nelson's numbers, too. So, as I said, leading up to this, there aren't many of the high-priced receivers that I like. If you look at the top eight, start with Des Bryant and go up. Des Bryant's probably not going to play, but even if he does, I don't want to play him against you know that Cincinnati team. Um, oh, yeah. DeAndre Hopkins against Minnesota probably gets Xavier Rhodes. I'll pass. Alshon Jeffrey, Vontae Davis on the road. I'll pass. Nelson, you just summed that up. A pass. Odell Beckham, I can understand possibly wanting to play with him, but I, I don't like being on the road with Eli sometimes. Um, A.J. Green, I can buy him possibly. Julio Jones, I'm not chasing those points. Antonio Brown, I'm not chasing those points. So if I have to lay it down to one person, I'm going to have to say I'm staying away from Julio Jones because people like to chase points. And he might be lucky to get 30 yards, 10% of what he had last week. Wow. I, I think that he's going to outperform 30 yards, but again, I, I think Denver is going to go all out to try to stop him. So he, he'll, he'll get some yardage, but if anyone expects him to produce even like a five 100-yard performance, it'd have to be a freak play. Yeah, and I'll say this. Julio normally does perform much better away from home. And on the road, he does well. So I'm not going to be shocked. I just think it's a risk that's not worth taking. Okay, well, who are you going to say is your bargain play this week? My bargain play is Mr. September, even though we're in October. Eddie Royal. Hey, that was my bargain play, too. How about that? And we didn't talk about it this time, so we really we didn't did know We did not. That. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like Hoyer likes him. It looks like they're finally starting to get what they expected from him. And maybe he'll give us some value into October, November, unlike years past. Well, I think you mentioned a little bit already. Vontae Davis is back. Yep. Uh, Patrick Robinson is also back. Now, assuming that Kevin White can play, I know he's hurt right now, too. He got hurt at the end of the game. Uh, if both Elshon and White are out there, they're going to get those, too. Yep. Can you name the, the remaining third defensive back for Indianapolis? I think it's Toast. <laughs> that's what's going to happen when Eddie Royal lines up. I mean, Eddie Royal's got some speed. He can get downfield. He can get open. Yep. And because of the other receiving options there, people tend to forget about him, like this past week when he was open by about 30 yards on that one play. Yeah. Well, there, that's solid. Um, I'll, let you t I'll let you take off with tight end first. Well, you know what? At tight ends, I'm going to sum this up in five words. It's Gronk. It's Cleveland. Next. Oh, God. You should let me go first then. I got to pay up for Greg Olson. I mean, I don't know that there's a safer guy at the position. If you're going to pay up, you need safe points that has a huge upside. Olson has that. I'm going to transition right into my stay away guy, and it's Gronk. <laughs> One catch, 11 yards. I don't care that it's Gronk. Take the name away. I've got to see him play better. I've actually come up with my own theory here. Gronk purposely pretended to be injured over the first four games, 
because he was afraid of what the substitute quarterbacks would do. He did not want to be associated with a bad line if in case it was their fault and they weren't throwing the ball very well. So he is doing a sort of plausible deniability. Is the okay. term I'm using. But now the problem with that thought is, is that would require Gronkowski to have a brain <laughs> and to be able to put together a thought process. So I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I just, whether it's season long or DFS, I've got to see him do something before I put him back in the lineup. Well, I will say this. He was on the field for 71% of the offensive plays for New England last week. Most of that time he was spent blocking, Blocking, which is a sign that he might still have some issues with his hamstring. But even with a hamstring problem, this is game one back for Brady. Uh, You've got to know that he's going to target him at least two or three times in the end zone. I'm not doing it. And everybody else and their mother's going to think the same thing, and I just don't see the upside. I think that there's risk there. I'm not doing it. You're wrong. Go ahead. Value play, I bet it's the same uh, guy. We didn't talk about it, but I bet you have the same guy. Well, uh, first of all, I'll tell you the player I'm going to stay away from. Oh, yeah, go ahead. And that's uh, Eric Ebron going to Philadelphia. His price isn't really high, so it's not like I'm avoiding a super high-priced guy, although 5900 at FanDuel is a little bit high for your tight end. Uh, through three games, Philadelphia is allowing an average of Two catches and 15 yards to opposing tight ends. A total of six catches and 45 yards among all the tight ends they've faced over the first three weeks. That's because you can run wide receivers all day against them. Um, Who's your value play? I am going to go with the returning Zach Ertz. Uh, He's going to Detroit. His price tag's $3,500 on DraftKings, $5,600 on FanDuel. Detroit has given up six tight end touchdowns already this year. Uh, They've given up tight end touchdowns in... 18 of their last 23 games, dating back to the start of last year. Uh, they're just not good at covering that position. And, and their secondary is a little beat up right now, too. So I, I think that Ertz is going to have no problem. Uh, he was actually almost ready to play last week. They decided to hold him out for one more week, obviously, with the bye. So uh, he's going to come back. He's going to be an effective part of their offense. And when you look back to last year, over the last four weeks of last year, no tight end. I mean, we're not talking Gronk. We're not talking Jordan Reed. We're not talking Greg Olson. No tight end was targeted as frequently as Zach Ertz was. So I think that uh, he's going to have some capability to do some good numbers here in his first week back. Okay. My value play is nowhere near as flashy. Uh, but I'm going with Jack Doyle. I think he's a great price at 26 and 52. And Dwayne Allen, of course, he's a superior talent, but he also is a better blocker. And it looks like he borrowed Kenny Stills and Ted Ginn's hands recently. So I think that Doyle could be a sneaky play at that price if you're looking to slot the position. His price tag is definitely worthy of a, of a punt option. And, and with only a couple of really good options at tight end this week, there's, there's a lot of kind of questionable plays there. I, I'm actually writing, writing the process right now of writing a tight ends article for uh, – one of our sites, and uh, the the position has a lot of really questionable plays. It seems like there's a lot of questionable plays in general this week, and the defensive side of me likes that. Um, okay, so that's our DFS plays. Hopefully we can make people some money. We wanted to run through this, right, so that we could get to our bust buys, studs, and sells, and we had planned to be done in 30 minutes. Guess what? We're at the 27-minute mark, so we're going to hit overtime, people. There's no doubt on that. We like overtime. That's okay. 
All the overtime means is that I get to see less of the Monday night football game that's going on over my shoulder on the big screen TV. We've got to get your desk turned around there. Yeah, sure do. Because every time I turn around, there's a commercial. What happened to the mirror? Yeah, I could put a mirror up. That'll be fun. Okay, so we're going to do a little bit here. Like I said, we'll call it busts and buys. Give you a player, and let's see where you stand on it, and I'll chime in depending on how I feel. Sounds good. So the first person, we'll start quarterbacks just because we have to talk quarterbacks. Um, Russell Wilson, is he a bust or is he a buy? You know, I think he's a buy. Uh, We noticed actually uh, his biggest issue this year, he's dealt with some injuries. And most importantly, though, he's dealt with injuries and change on the offensive line. They just got back their offensive guard this past week. And you can tell that having that extra blocker in there that he was familiar with from last year really opened up a little bit on the running game. And it also opened up the passing game. And Russell Wilson produced a pretty good line last week because of that. Now, I'm still concerned about the injuries. I think the injuries are going to nag with him a little bit all season until he actually gets a chance to sit and rest a little bit. And and maybe uh, a little rest will help him. But, you know, it's Russell Wilson, and he's got weapons to work with there. Get that offensive line fixed, and I think he's a safe buy. I'll tell you that I don't think he's a bust, but I don't think he's a buy. And the reason I don't think he's a buy is because he just had a big game, and people will probably want too much for him. Um, but I'm more on the buy side than the bust side. Now, what about Cam Newton? Bust or buy? Wow, uh, how the mighty have fallen. He, he performed uh, mediocre, to say the best, in the Super Bowl, and he's come out this season looking about as mediocre in each of his first three games. So uh, I'm, I, I was pulling for him to be pulled midway through this last week's game against uh, Atlanta, and ultimately when he did get knocked out of the game with the concussion, Derek Anderson outperformed him. Now, I don't know how much of that is Cam wanting to be the, the feature of this offense by himself and and just not using his tools around him. But when you look at the fact that Greg Olson had four targets while he was in there, that Devin Funchess and Kelvin Benjamin combined for two catches while Cam was in there, that just can't happen. You, you've got a lot of weapons to choose from. I know your running back situation is a mess right now with no Jonathan Stewart. But Fozzie Whitaker as your leading pass catcher, I, I love me some Fozzie Whitaker, but that can't happen. You've got to throw your ball to your receivers. And if Cam isn't going to do that, well, I mean, what did you, you spent a first or second round pick on him? I'm sorry. Here's So give me a bust or buy. Bust. Okay. I'm with you. I'm going to say bust. I'm going to put it in these terms. Bust because of where you drafted him. Because before we even got to the first snap of the first week, he was scheduled to play the Broncos, and people were saying, should I bench him? You don't bench him. He's given a lot of fantasy points with his legs. This latest concussion has to make you wonder, will Ron Rivera reel that in a little bit to try and protect him? And what I'll say is that the concussion could be something that contributes to the bust status. And by that, what I mean is, He's going to miss this week's game. That's almost a given. Well, if you keep him out for this week's game, you got New Orleans next, okay? It's on the road. But if Derek Anderson shows well this week, you might sit Cam to get through your bye week, which means you're not getting Cam back till week week eight against Arizona. Yes. So I'm going bust. Here's a guy, hot topic. Um Earlier, before last week, everybody was complaining, wanted to sell him. He's a bust, you hear people saying. And 
a lot of us are saying, well, then you have to wait till he has a big game. You sell him, then he had a big game, and everybody wanted to say he's a stud, and they didn't sell him. Now they're complaining again. Todd Gurley. You know, I, I am buying Todd Gurley. I, I think that L.A. is finding an interesting way to win. They're winning with solid defense and trying to run the ball with Gurley. Gurley's got nearly just about like two yards per carry for the season, but he is their offense. Now, as Case Keenum gets a little bit more comfortable back there, gets a little more used to their uh, their game script, I mean, he's found Brian Quick the last couple of weeks, added a little more element. They've got Tavon Austin, who's capable of scoring from anywhere on the field on any given play. You know, the offense is going to open up, and that's going to force teams to pull that eighth and ninth man out of the box, and that's going to mean more yardage per carry for Gurley going forward. Now, particularly if you're in a dynasty format, there's probably a few owners that drafted Gurley and were laughing like crazy because they uh, got him last year as their dynasty pick who are, after a rough second half of last season and a rough start to this season, are probably like, oh, God, why did I invest this high pick in him? I could have had Melvin Gordon and watched him. do." You know what? Here's the thing. You know what? Gurley is he's a generational talent. The guy's got a lot of talent. Agree. If you're in a dynasty format, I'm definitely buying on him. Even in a regular season uh, single draft league, I'm still buying on him because he was someone's first-round pick, and you can probably get him for the value of a third or fourth or maybe even a fifth-round pick now. That's why I'm going to say I agree with you in, in dynasty. He's a buy. Um, but in redraft, I believe he's a bust. And here's why he's a bust. Because um, he can't be a buy because I don't think you're going to get him for third-round price. I think people are going to demand first-round stuff, and I'm not willing to pay that because when you draft a top one or two running back that early in a, in a fantasy draft in the first round nowadays, you expect them to be consistent and consistently having a high floor with an even higher upside, right? Well, yes. that's where Gurley falls short this year. His floor is super low, and he's completely inconsistent. It's not that I don't love the talent, but it's just the situation isn't one that's going to make you feel good, and you're going to start questioning, should I start him, shouldn't I start him? And then when that happens, people are going to start him on the wrong weeks, and it's going to burn him. So at that point, because you can't trust him, he's a bust. Nice argument. I like that. Next, we'll go to Latavius. I barely get any carries anymore, Murray. Oh, uh, that's a close subject uh, to my heart because – I traded and acquired quite a few shares of him this offseason. <laughs> and uh, kind of wishing I hadn't now because, you know, I really thought, I mean, again, every once in a while you get gut feelings on players that you think are going to uh, are going to exceed what they probably should. I thought the improved offense there would only mean more opportunities for him. And, again, they'd get off to leads. They wouldn't be playing from behind all the time. He'd be out in the field running the clock out. Well, that, that's not happening. Uh, that. First, they were using DeAndre Washington uh, as a change of pace back. He's hurt now. Uh, they used Jalen Richard. Is it Richard or Richard? I don't know. Uh, this guy's got some speed to burn. He's really, really talented. It's it's just really annoying to to not see Latavius Murray out there. I mean, it's not like Latavius Murray's a bad back. It's just not a good situation for him there in Oakland. And I think that if he was on a different team, I would be buying him. But at this point, I'm willing to sell him for pennies on what I paid for him this offseason. You don't get to sell him. He's a bust then. It's a bust, it's bust totally or buy. And I'm going to disagree with you. I think he's a buy and he's a perfect buy because you can get him for pennies on the dollar. 
and the upside is there, and I think that we're seeing Oakland come into their own as a team. They're going to have to commit to running the ball more. I think it's clear that he is their best overall back. So if you can get him for pennies on the dollar and you're able to put fill him into a running back three spot so that you can play him as a flex or a running back two, I think that's a shark move. So I think he's a buy. You know what? This offseason, actually, I targeted two running backs named Murray, uh, both both based on gut instincts, and one's paid off and one hasn't. So, And the other one was going to – well, maybe we will talk about the other one in the next, next little segment of studs or sells. Um, but let's move to wide receiver. Let's start off with an easy softball. Um, DeAndre Hopkins. <laughs> bust or buy? This one can be quick and easy. Uh, redraft, he's a bust. Uh, Dynasty, he's a buy. I disagree. I think he's a buy in both. Um, yes, I'm concerned about Osweiler, but we know that wide receivers are always going to be a little more inconsistent anyway. Um, he'll be fine. Here's my argument against him. Think about what Osweiler did to Demarius Thomas's value last year. Thomas completely disappeared. Thomas, similar skill set, similar receiver to DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, but Emmanuel Sanders had some talent. And he, he actually was effective, and he caught a lot of passes, caught a few touchdowns last year in that Denver offense with Osweiler at quarterback. Will Fuller's doing that same thing right now in Houston. I'm noticing a correlation that uh, can't be ignored. Okay, I can see that. Um, here's a guy. This one will be the, an easy one. The next one's going to be difficult, I think. We'll do three wide receivers. Golden Tate. Pass. <laughs> You know, Golden Tate has had exactly one fantasy-relevant season. And the rest of his career, he's been a mediocre wide receiver three, wide receiver four, maybe a flex play occasionally, uh, dating back to his time in Seattle. And, you know, you can say all you want. Uh, and Coach is saying everything that he wants to about how Golden Tate is still his number one option in Detroit. Until we actually see Matthew Stafford throw him the ball, I'm not buying that with one sec. Uh, and realistically, you know what? He was benched. No matter what they say, he was benched for running the wrong route last week. Hopefully he gets the message and, re- and returns some more value down the stretch, but I'm not buying it. Okay, here's what I have to say about this. One, I bought Golden Tate in a league, so I'm a little bit jaded. No, seriously, could you possibly trade Adam Thielen for Golden Tate to somebody? The answer is probably yes, right? The Tate owner would probably take Thielen or Adam Humphreys, right? You know, I'm sure someone probably would, especially in dynasty formats. I'm not sure I'm willing to go that far with Tate yet, but at the same time, uh, you know, I'm not actively seeking out Tate. I, I don't have any faith in his turning this around. So Eli Rogers, guys like that, I think that you can offer something like that up for Golden Tate, and he has shown. I mean, when you score two-thirds of your points because you caught a two-point conversion, you know you had a bad day. Um, at one point, Golden Tate had 1.1 points, and Zach Zenner had minus .2, and I was like, God. Um, but in any event, kind of like Latavius, if you can get him for pennies, not pennies on the dollar, just pennies in general, um, and acquire him as like a wide receiver six, there's still some upside to be had in that offense. And then if it doesn't pan out, then you're no worse to wear. Um, let's move to tight end. Okay. So I guess this one might be considered a softball. I don't know, but maybe not. 
Rob Gronkowski, bust or buy? You know, for the start of the season, he's definitely a bust, but I'm buying right now because you got Tom Brady coming back. You've got Rob Gronkowski. They're going to both be healthy and playing at the same time. And don't forget, last year, these two hooked up on 11 touchdowns. That's about two less hookups than Rob Gronkowski typically has in a weekend in Vegas. Okay. So if, if he uh, gets that much looks last year from him, you know, Brady's going to be targeting him early and often. Even if he doesn't get a lot of yards, you get down at the end zone, Brady's going to look to Gronk and Gronk alone. It's not going to go to James White. It's not going to go to LeGarrette Blunt. It sure as heck isn't going to go to any of those receivers. It's going to go to, to Gronk on a short three- or four-yard curl and expect him to jump and catch the ball over everyone else like it's always been. Well, I don't think you can be a buy because I think he would cost too much because Brady's coming back and all that. So if you own him, you spent a late first, early second on him more than likely. And because of that, you very well could be sitting at 0-4. So I'm going to say he's a bust and just move along. The other reason I'm willing to pay up to buy for him now, though, is that this year there's been a lot of bust tight ends. A lot of tight ends we thought were going to be very good that we took expecting to have not drunk production, but we were expecting reasonable production from that have just really stunk up the place. Yeah, and the only reason I can't call him a buy is because people would have un- unrealistic ex- expectations what it would cost to get him. So, all right, one more, and then we're going to move into our studs or sells. Um, Colby Fleener. Speaking of uh, bust tight ends that cost a lot of money, uh, Colby Fleener uh, went to New Orleans where everyone thought, well, he's going to replace Jimmy Graham's production. Oh, well, at least he'll produce Ben Watson's production. Oh, well, that. Uh, Will he produce Jack Doyle's production at least? Come on, Kobe Fleener. Dude, you've got talent. You've got the ability to go out and run routes. You've got the ability to get on pace with a very, very good veteran quarterback. But you're not doing it. What's wrong with you, man? Do you need Pep Hamilton there to to run the plays for you? I'm just sick and tired of this. I mean, I spent a lot of uh, early tight end draft picks on him thinking that he was going to be a breakout player this year. And he hasn't so far. And I see no reason to think he's going to with all the other weapons Breeze has to choose from there. So you're saying bust? Oh, big time bust. Okay, I'm going to say buy. And the reason he's a buy is because people that own him like you are so down on him, you can get him for cheap. And I almost I, cut him this week. And I think that what's going to happen as the season progresses, he and Breeze will become more in tune to each other. And the position, like you said, has just been hammered with people not performing. I like the upside. If you can get the upside cheap, it's worth it. So that's where we stand. That's our busts and buys. Hopefully people enjoyed that segment. Let's move into studs and sells. We'll do quarterback quickly. We're at 42 minutes. We're clearly in overtime now. Um, First one, we'll make it quick. Matt Ryan. The sell. You've got to sell him off this big performance. That offensive line is not as good as they've looked so far this year. Uh, it's still a one-receiver show with Julio Jones. Mohamed Sanu had one good game. He's done absolutely nothing since. Jacob Tammy's over the hill. Uh, they can't decide on which running back's their best running back. One of them is not even going to play this week because of sickle cell anemia. Uh, I'm, Check that. I, I just don't trust this. Check that. They actually expect him to play, but that's beside the point. No, I agree with you. Sell Ryan. There's no need. You can cash in and then improve your team elsewhere because quarterback's just too damn deep. All right, here's a guy. Stud or sell. DeMarco Murray. Stud. You know, coming into this year, everyone, 
everyone in the fantasy community was saying it's going to be Derrick Henry at the stripe. He's going to take half the touches, this whole exotic smash mouth offense. And what have we seen so far? We've seen DeMarco Murray touch the ball 75% of the time in terms of offensive running plays there. We've seen DeMarco Murray catch an average of six passes a game. And we've seen DeMarco Murray get every single touch inside the five. Now, Murray, is, you know what? He had a down season playing in a bad offense for him in Philadelphia last bad year. Bad fit, bad fit. He's one year removed from being an ultimate stud down in Dallas. He's in a situation where he's going to be on the field for most of the time. And unless he gets hurt, he's going to be the guy there. Derrick Henry, maybe a year or two from now. But for now, you know what? DeMarco Murray is a stud. I agree. My biggest concern with him is Tennessee's not that good this year. Once they fall out of it late in the season, you have to wonder if they might try to work Derrick Henry in a little bit more so. But the running back position's just been hammered with injuries. So to have a, a bell cow like that, yeah, he's a stud. you got to hold him unless you can sell him and just bring in a, a buku amount of players. What, what if someone offered you Todd Gurley for DeMarco? What would you do? I would not take it. Interesting. I would not take it. Okay, let's go to another guy. Um, similar bad offense, Carlos Hyde. Uh, bad offense. You're, that's that's one of the most awful offenses in all of football. Uh, San Francisco, for whatever reason, though, Carlos Hyde, much like DeMarco Murray, is staying in there the entire game, even when they're down, and he's producing a lot of garbage time points because he's a good pass catcher out of the backfield, too. And I think a lot of people shot, thought Sean Drawn would take a lot of those receptions away from him. It really hasn't happened. Uh, Drawn certainly is getting his share of playing time as well. But, uh, you know, Carlos Hyde is still young. And this San Francisco team can only get better from an offensive skill position around him over the future. So I'm buying him and, uh, and hoping that uh, they continue to get better. And maybe we'll even see Colin Kaepernick at some point. Harley keeps confusing segments. This isn't a buy. Is he a stud or is he a sell? He's a stud. Okay. I disagree with you, and you know, a lot of times when you listen to shows, they want the the host to go and take you know one take one side, one take the other side. That's truly not happening. We didn't talk about doing this. It's just how we feel about it. I really think that Hyde is a sell high. Um, I don't think he can sustain. I don't think that offense makes me feel like he'll be able to get enough touchdowns to sustain his value. Um, I could understand why somebody would want to hold on to him, but I think I'd sell him high if I could. Let's go to the wide receiver position. Marvin Jones. Stud or sell? Well, I think uh, he actually produced a decent line this past week in Chicago, but it still was nothing compared to his first couple weeks lines where he had topped 100 yards in back-to-back games. When you look back at Marvin Jones's history, while he's never been the number one guy in any offense, he just has never had a lot of big flashy weeks like that. He had that one three touchdown game a couple years back in Cincinnati, but that's really been it. So when you look at what produced that huge line form a couple weeks ago, half of those yards, in fact, more than half of those yards came on two fluke plays. Now, yes, he's talented. Yes. He is the number one receiver in a pass heavy offense in against with a team that's going to be playing from behind a lot and going to be throwing the ball a lot. But at the same time, you know, I, I just don't trust him So because he doesn't have that pedigree. He doesn't have that long-term experience. So I don't think he's really a stud. So you think he's a sell? I think he's totally a sell. If you can get 
wide receiver one value for him in a trade, yep. I, I would do it in a heartbeat. I'm with you. I think he's a sell because I think people will overvalue him. I think we'll see that that offense will even out itself as time goes on. I don't think his value is going to be much higher than it is right now. So if you can get a little bit lower level wide receiver and some running back or, or tight end juice on on the plus side of that, I think you have to do that. Um, here's one. Um, Mr. Crabtree. Oh, you know what? We forgot to talk about another bust and buy. So we'll tie this together. Um, first is Crabtree. Stud or sell? In- easy sell. Uh, Derek Carr's schedule uh, for, against the pass gets much, much more difficult after week eight. So the fact that Crabtree is producing as well as he is right now, a lot of that comes at the hands of the fact that Carr is playing like he's improved his game to some degree. And he has. He's a much better quarterback than he was a couple of years ago when he spent the entire time locked into Amari Cooper, throwing 15 targets a game to Cooper because he didn't have the wherewithal and skill set to look down to his other receivers. But you know what? There are other receivers there. Clive Walford is going to get more involved in the offense as the, as the year goes on. Seth Roberts is already developing a good rapport with him, particularly in the red zone. Three touchdowns through four weeks. You know, Crabtree's had a great run here the first couple weeks here, but I, I'm i not buying that he that this is going to continue for him throughout the season. So he's looked good, but he's, he's not the stud that he's showing on paper. Yeah, it's tough because I don't see him as a stud, but I don't know that anybody's going to – you can sell him for what you should be able to get for him. So I, I see he's probably just a hold, but I'll say I'm selling him high too. But that'll take us – let's go back to Amari Cooper. He was part of the bust and buys, and I missed him. Um, is he a bust or is he a buy? Well, for season-long owners, I, I think that most of them already consider him a bust because of the fact that he's not getting all of the targets that uh, he could be getting. Uh Obviously, like I said, Derek Carr has improved his offense around him. Michael Crabtree's getting a lot of targets. Seth Roberts getting a lot of targets. Uh, they're throwing the ball to the running backs a lot, including uh, Murray, who again hasn't done much else. But uh, I'm, you know, if you're in a dynasty league, I think you're definitely buying Amari Cooper, and you're probably buying him cheaper because a lot of those owners are Man. scared that he's not the stud that he looked like last year. But the fact of the matter is, Amari, Amari Cooper is a very, very talented receiver on an offense that's up and coming. Now, he might struggle a little bit this year, but if you're in a dynasty format, he's going to be a stud for the next 10 to 15 years. I'm definitely buying on him as a stud. Yeah, I, I would buy him. I, I think that people probably would tend to want a little bit too much for him, but I would try to play that Crabtree angle and still buy him. Um, so now let's go back to our studs and sells. Will Fuller. Uh, you know, I, I would say that he's a little bit of fooler's gold, but that's kind of a bad pun, so I'm not going to say that. Uh, he actually came into the season, but you did pretty say pretty much every single team in the draft was like, "We don't want us to draft Will Fuller." He was like the one wide receiver that no one wanted. Everyone wanted Corey Coleman, and everyone wanted Laquan Treadwell. Everyone wanted Josh Doxson. No one wanted Will Fuller. And here, Will Fuller just falls to the Houston Texans. They they take him, and uh, he's been quite a, a a bona fide high-end performer for them from day one. And when you look at the offense around him, you kind of wonder, well, everyone thought Lamar Miller was going to have a big season, and, and everyone was hoping that uh, DeAndre Hopkins would have a big season, and uh, everyone was hoping, and they obviously the Houston Texans were hoping that uh, Brock Osweiler would show that he was more than a backup quarterback. 
at least for all the money they shelled out to him. But uh, you know what? I, I just I the pedigree isn't there for Fuller yet. I, I don't think that he's a legitimate stud. I think he's uh, an up and comer. Uh, I I don't think I'm investing too heavily in him, and I I don't think I can dare call him a stud yet, despite the fact that he's actually outproduced DeAndre Hopkins so far. Yeah, he's getting the looks, um, but I don't think his value could be much higher. He doesn't have the best hands in the world. I think I'm selling him if somebody wants to overpay for him. I would agree with that. Okay. Mr. Jimmy Graham, stud again or sell? (laughs) You know, uh, I've had Jimmy Graham far too long to really like want to kick him out the door, but at the same time, I've also had Jimmy Graham too long to not want to kick him out the door. Uh, these last uh, year plus in Seattle, uh, growing pains, recovery from injury, uh, offense that wasn't really tailored to his skill set. But for some reason or other, Russell Wilson finally realized that he's got a freak athlete that he can throw the ball to at the goal line. Yeah, that was a hell of a catch he made. It was, it was short of the goal line, but he made a hell of a catch this past week. So I really have to think that a lot of his problems last year were both scheme and injury related. I don't think it was that his talent level actually dropped off that much. Yeah. So now that he's getting the opportunity to step back into it, uh, two straight 100-yard performances, he hasn't done that since his New Orleans days. As a Graham owner in Dynasty, I can tell you, I, I'm sure, I surely remember that it's been quite a while. But um, for me, it comes down to at a position that's devoid of many difference makers, yeah, I still he's a stud. Well, you know, I think he always was a stud. I just think that he was in the wrong situation in the wrong place and time last year. So, you know, he never wasn't a stud. He was a stud. He is a stud. He remains a stud. Okay. Here's a guy who's playing in a game that's happening back over my shoulder, so I don't know how he has done so far. Um, Kyle Rudolph, stud or sell? I, I love Kyle Rudolph this year, and here's why. Well, first off, he just scored a touchdown, which makes him even more valuable to me. But Kyle Rudolph has Sam Bradford as his quarterback. Now, earlier on in the podcast, I mentioned how last year Zach Ertz was targeted more than any other tight end over those final four weeks. Who was his quarterback? Sam Bradford. Hey, hmm. hey uh, I, I wonder if this is leading somewhere. Sam Bradford loved to throw the ball to Zach Ertz last year. Zach Ertz, much similar uh, build to Kyle Rudolph, sort of a bigger uh, more of a go tight end, a move tight end, not a blocking guy, a guy who can go out there in the seam, get past your linebackers, can jump up and get the ball. He's not as big as a Jimmy Graham or a Rob Gronkowski, but he's got a lot of those same skill sets. And again, this is the same guy who just a few years ago caught 10 touchdown passes in a season. So, you know, he, he may not be a name tight end, he, but by the end of the year, he's going to be a tight end with close to double-digit touchdowns. So, I would say that's definitely a stud considering the tight end climate right now. Well, if we asked him to chime in, he'd definitely tell you he's a stud, right? Best tight end in the league, I think, or something like that. He was the MVP of the Pro Bowl a couple years ago, too. There you go. Well, hopefully people think this was an MVP show because it's the longest one we've done in quite some time. We're pushing an hour. So with that— Most valuable podcast. There you go. That'd be nice. Um, And what you should do is, of course— Check us out on iTunes, subscribe, rate, review us, all that good stuff. Um, As far as where you can catch us when we're not recording the podcast, you can get me on Twitter at SteveGalloNFL. And then you can get Harley at NuclearHarley. And as always, get blitzed responsibly.
Cheers. Cheers.